Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Good morning, church. It's great to see you all, and it's great to be here. Our um, chapter today is Master 28th. 19 through 20, it's the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Amen. Buenos dias. Mangandang umaga. <laughs> Not, less people said that one. <laughs> I'll, show, I'll try one more. This is good morning in sign language. Good morning like the sun rising. I love the different um, expressions we have in our church. I'm so grateful to be here this morning. Thank you, Shane and Amy, for making the trip over as well to share about your ministry. Um, I had the, the blessing some years ago to spend a month in the Philippines, and getting to know the people and the culture, uh, getting to minister there. Uh, and they are a beautiful people. Uh, one of my favorite countries, actually, I've ever been to. Um, when you were, the video that you were sharing, the, the song behind that, uh, The Eye of the Storm, that song came out, I think, about six years ago. Um, when my youngest son was in the hospital fighting for his life. Um, and so as I was watching the, the images of the children there, and you're explaining the, the difference in the medical system, it, it made me realize how blessed we were, even though at, at a point we weren't sure if our son would survive. He still had phenomenal medical care. Um, and like you said, so many countries, it's if you don't have the money, good luck. Um, so thank you for sharing that, the opportunity to partner with you, and, and I trust that we'll be able to do more together uh, in the days ahead as well. Uh, this month, uh, as you have already heard, is Missions Emphasis Month, and so we've been um, talking about what does it mean to be missionaries? What is the mission of God for us? And last week, um, I shared this definition of missions, that missions consists of the activities of God and his representatives— to bring humanity back into fellowship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And the ways that we do this are varied. Um, historically, the church has had an immense role as it relates to medical care in the world. Going back to the first century, uh, and we talked, we talked about this a couple years ago, the church engaged when there was a pandemic sweeping through the Roman Empire when nobody else would putting themselves at risk, putting their finances on the line, doing what it would take to, to love people because they were made in the image of God. And so the church, when we think about missions, we think about this idea of bringing humanity back into fellowship with God. It happens through so many different arenas, through so many different giftings and opportunities. And so Shane and Amy shared us one of those um, opportunities today. You know, last week we looked at how throughout all of Scripture, uh, we see the heart of God tirelessly working uh, in human history to bring humanity back into relationship with him. Uh, we talked about how God is the first missionary. He is a missionary God from the moment that humanity's relationship was broken with him. 
that God began to develop a plan to bring them back into relationship with him. And so this morning, we're going to focus on the second aspect of this uh, concept of missions. And that's our role, our job as his representatives. But before we do, just like we did last week, it's really important to ask why. Why is humanity out of fellowship with God? And, and this, this word fellowship is, is important because relationship is a part of fellowship. But fellowship in, at the, the core of fellowship is there, there is a, a, a relationship that's intimately built on a similar purpose and a similar vision. So if you remember, the, if you're a Lord of the Rings fans, the very first book was called The Fellowship of the Ring. And, and the reason uh, that word fellowship, again, that Tolkien used that is because while there was all these divergent parties that had this mission together, it was the mission, it was the, it was the mission that brought them together that had, gave them that shared purpose. So why is humanity out of fellowship with God? Why, as we just heard Sylvia read, are we called as believers to make disciples of Jesus? In order to, to understand why, we have to go back a little bit. We have to go back to the beginning. Genesis 1.27 says this, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I will give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. So right at the beginning, we see there was a, a shared relationship with humanity and God. There was a shared purpose that we as humans were meant to be in fellowship with God. And that God created this, this beautiful thing, this this beautiful earth, and he said to us, enjoy it, steward it, rule over it. We were always supposed to be God's representatives in the world. But as we know, the story goes, Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. They chose to, to move out of that fellowship arrangement. They rejected God's beautiful and perfect plan, and they did the one thing he said not to do. And so because of the entry of sin that happened through their disobedience, sin now is present in all of humanity, even in nature itself. The brokenness that we feel that we sang about just a moment ago, we feel it, we see it, we experience it. Right now, today, threats of war in Ukraine and Russia, ongoing pandemics, all sorts of things point to the brokenness of the world. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 20 says, surely there is not a righteous man on earth who's, who does good and never sins. This was written thousands of years ago. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Galatians 5 captures this idea of sin. It says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. And we feel this, right? There's all of us see when we wake up in the morning, we, we, we know our challenges. We know our limitations. We feel our weaknesses. And yet we feel powerless to overcome those things. The flesh, the sin nature within us, there's a war. That's going on. And the grip of sin is powerful. 
The grip of sin expresses itself in various ways in various cultures. Let me give just two examples of how sin works in humanity today. Number one, we see that sin distorts how we see ourselves. If God made us in his image, what sin does is it clouds that, it distorts that, it perverts that image. Sin distorts how we see ourselves. We live in a time right now where more and more people are waking up in the morning and they don't see themselves how God sees them. They don't see themselves how God sees them. All they see when they look in the mirror is they see their faults. I remember when one of my kids began to become more self-aware. And, you know, uh, kids, especially boys in particular, all of a sudden they realize, oh, they smell. I should probably take a shower. You know, that's a good idea. And one of my, one of my kids, they, they, they began to look at themselves in the mirror and they began to see their flaws. And they would come and ask me questions about themselves because they felt ashamed. They felt insecure. And so I realized it was so important for me to speak to who they were because they were seeing something that wasn't accurate. Many people believe a lie. They believe this lie about themselves that somehow they are a mistake. Sometimes I, somehow I have the wrong skin tone or the wrong hair color or the wrong gender. This is what sin does. Sin distorts how we see ourselves. And the result of this distortion is horrific. In 2019, before the pandemic, so we can't blame it on the pandemic, just under 1.4 million people in the United States attempted to take their own life. Thankfully, far less succeeded. But still, in 2019, 47,000 people succeeded in taking their life just in the United States. Sin distorts how we see ourselves, how we see our value and our worth and our purpose. And if sin distorts how we see ourselves, then it shouldn't also be a surprise that sin distorts how we see each other. This is the second effect that we see of sin. The U.S. State Department estimates that at any given time, there are nearly 25 million victims of human trafficking around the world. Another phrase for human trafficking would be modern-day slavery. 25 million victims globally every year. How could anybody do this? How can anybody steal or kidnap or sell somebody into some sort of slavery? Well, when we are separated from God in relationship then we can't really know, we can't really see the good and beautiful vision that God has for us. And so sin can distort in such a way that evil people don't see the reflection of the image of God in others. Instead, they see someone who can be used to their benefit. People become a commodity. Now when we talk about this, right, it feels very abstract, Human trafficking, it's out there. It, it, doesn't, it couldn't really happen here, right? Well, two weeks ago, two weeks ago at SeaTac, 15, 20 minutes from here, there was a young man who's a resident of Renton who was arrested for human trafficking of a minor right at the airport. So this type of thing happens all around us. I had a friend who worked for the FBI who actually came in to, 
to Seattle for some training, and we, we connected. And, and, and I said, hey, what kind, of, what kind of training are you doing while you're here in, in Seattle? He says, I'm doing training on how to recognize and prevent human trafficking. He said, at every port in the, in the country, there are thousands of individuals that are trafficked through that port. And he said, Seattle has actually one of the better systems of identifying that. And so they're responsible. Some of their, the agents are responsible for training others in the FBI to recognize it. This stuff is happening literally in our backyard. Sin distorts how we view others. Now, maybe that still feels a little far removed from you. Well, this distortion that could cause someone to traffic another human being is very strongly connected to the multi-billion dollar pornography industry. Where with the click of a button, whether an individual knows it or not, they are supporting human trafficking and the exploitation of minors. And the overlap here of this, uh, this online industry and this human trafficking is staggering. Staggering. But like with any industry, it's about supply and demand. This one, this industry just happens to involve people made in God's image. So this is what sin does. It distorts how we see ourselves and it distorts how we see each other. So when the Bible speaks of sin, the Bible also uses the image of slavery. The one who is disconnected from God, who is living in sin, thinks they are in control until they aren't. Jesus spoke to this. He says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And so ultimately, this young man in our very backyard who trafficked others for his own financial benefit was actually enslaved by the very thing he thought he was in control of. His sinful actions are now leading him to a place of death. Romans 6.23, speaking of sin, Paul says, you know what you get paid for sin? You know what the wages of sin is? It's death. It's death, death of relationships, death of your future, and ultimately, final death, ultimate death. So apart from Christ, we are all under this same slavery. And there's two aspects at play here as it relates to sin. Number one is you are oblivious to your own sin. I'm not a sinner. Like, yeah, I do some bad things, but I'm mostly good, right? So you are oblivious to your own sin, and this is what sin does. As long as it's allowed to go unchecked, it controls you. The wages of sin are death. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is you are acutely aware of your own sin because the brokenness that is created in your life is unavoidable. It's what you see in the mirror in the morning it's what you look at with your bank account. It's what you think about in your broken relationships. You are very aware of it, but you are powerless to overcome it. However we frame it, when we are out of relationship with God, we are disconnected from his beautiful design for human flourishing, and we don't see ourselves or others how God sees us as beautiful and unique creation that was meant to reflect him. Instead, we're a cosmic accident that just happened to align perfectly and be here. Not in control of anything in our destiny. Powerless against our own sin. Stuck in its grip. 
Everyone who slaves is a sin to slave. But there's good news. As we talked about last week, we have a missionary God. He was not content to let sin go unchecked in his beautiful creation. And so God himself, he came. And he brought a message of hope and of freedom from the power of sin. Jesus goes on to say, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son, or you can say a daughter as well, belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And this is what God accomplished when Jesus came. Sin requires a payment of death. And so Jesus came as a human to make a payment on our behalf. But because he lived a sinless life, when he died and took on the penalty of death for himself, death itself was overcome. Sin itself, its power was broken and loosed. And so by Jesus' sacrifice and his resurrection, we too can have our sins forgiven. We too can have the freedom that comes that Jesus paid for at the cross. First Peter spoke to this when he says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. When Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, this wasn't just kind of some poetic line that he was spouting but it was a sure promise. First John says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. No longer slaves, but blood-bought children of God. So this is an image of relationship. It's a, it's a restoration of God's intent and vision for all of our lives, for for our relationship with him, and for our flourishing in his creation. One more verse, 2 Corinthians says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is, there's this idea of restoration, of being re-imaged, of, of the clarity of who God has created us to be coming into full focus. I was talking to, to Bob Chin just before the worship service, and he was saying he's in some weeks uh, in, uh, down the road, he's going to be having cataract surgery. And I, I remember my dad had that same surgery. My dad's an artist who had probably the thickest glasses I'd ever seen. And he started wearing glasses when he was 12 years old. Uh, and his eyesight had gotten so bad that, that he had to go in and have this surgery. And he said, after the surgery, he said, Andrew, <laughs> I did not realize how much I was missing in the world. There were colors that had become so muted because of, of his cataracts that he wasn't seeing them anymore. And he got this cataract surgery, and all of a sudden, the colors were vibrant again. Not only that, but for the first time ever, ever knowing my dad, he didn't have glasses. His, his sight was restored. His, all, of, all of the colors were restored in their vibrancy. This is what Jesus does for us. He restores our vision. He, he realigns us with his good purposes. So many people are asleep in their own sin and they don't even know it. They've been dulled by it. 
They've been swooned by it. They've even welcomed it and justified it. But when that sin is removed, all of a sudden your eyes are open. You see the world as God intended you to see it. You see yourself as God intended you to see yourself. This is what Jesus does. He ransoms us from our sin, and he restores us to be who we were meant to be. This re-imaging happens as the Spirit of God works in us. And we are still a work in progress. But now we are no longer slaves, but we are sons and daughters. We are no longer prisoners to our sin, but we are freed. We are no no longer uh, thinking of God as some distant and unknown being, but we see him as a father. So the work of Jesus at the cross was so significant. But the work of Jesus wasn't like the Super Bowl. Well, that was awesome. The season was over. It's complete. We won. Good game, guys. That's not what the work of the cross is meant to be. No, the work of of Jesus is a rescue mission. You and I have been given a key out of slavery through what Jesus has done. The the work of Jesus is like a medical mission. We've been given a cure to the disease. And now we are free and whole again. The work of Jesus is like a a construction mission. We, we We get a new home now with God. We get to know him and be in relationship with him. And you and I are invited. No, that's too soft of a word. We are expected to join Jesus in his mission and to let people know about all of this. And why wouldn't we want to be a part of his mission? So the work of Jesus at the cross was just the beginning. And when we receive that, when the scales are pulled from our eyes, when we are forgiven of our sins, Jesus now says, I want you to participate in my mission. I want you to tell others, show others how they can be free from their sin. And so this is where we as a church participate with our missionary God, and we are the missionary church. Going back to the passage that Sylvia just read from Matthew 28. Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is after his resurrection. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is often called the Great Commission. It's Jesus' marching orders for his church to be missionaries, to take the gospel, this good news of a forgiveness of sin to everybody who has been separated from God. This passage is framed by the authority of Jesus. He says, all authority, and surely I am with you. It's framed by the authority that Jesus has and that he willingly gives to us. The missionary church is the people of God who by the power of God participate in the mission of God. Because he then says, therefore, go. Go. I'll say that again. The missionary church is the people of God who by the power of the spirit of God participate in the mission of God. What mission? Well, this is what we've been talking about. 
to bring humanity back into fellowship. This is what we're called to. And let me tell you, the missionary church is everywhere. Sometimes church becomes this ambiguous kind of organization. And so we say, I'm going to church. I'm doing something with the church. But the church is everybody here right now that has placed their faith in Jesus. And so the missionary church is everywhere. Let me, I'm just going to ask a few questions here. Uh, Chad, who's sitting up in the top, you guys heard from him earlier. Chad, what do you do for work? Yeah, Chad lays tile. He's phenomenal at it. He's actually done some here for our church. He's done some at my house. When Chad goes and does a job, he is a part of our church. He's a representative of God. As he enters somebody's home and he begins to, to do his work, he does it to the glory of God. As he interacts with customers that are having him do his job, he begins to hear about their story. They may share something about what's going on in their life. Maybe good times, maybe bad times. Chad has an opportunity to, to represent the mission of Jesus that nobody else has. Chad has the opportunity to be a missionary where he is. Bob Chin, what do you, you you're a self-proclaimed what? You tell me this before all the time. You spend the most time, other than with your wife, where? The At the gym. He's a self-proclaimed gym rat, is what he has told me before. Bob uh, plays a lot of basketball. He's he's at the gym a a lot, staying fit. And when Bob goes to the gym, he has an opportunity that nobody else has as he interacts with guys on the court, as he talks with people that are running next to him on the treadmill. I don't know if you run on the treadmill, but uh, Bob has an opportunity to be a missionary in that space that nobody else in this church has an opportunity to do. This is who we are as a church. When you've placed your faith in Jesus, you now become activated for his purposes. The authority of Jesus has been given to you, whether you're at the gym, whether you're at work, whether you're at school, nobody else is gonna be right where you are except for you. You are an agent of Jesus in that moment, you have an opportunity to be a part of the rescue mission of Christ. Hey, as you're in that conversation, I know that life is tough for you right now, but let me tell you, this dead end that you're heading to, you don't have to head that way. There is another way. Let me tell you about him. His name's Jesus. You have a, a part, a chance, opportunity to be part of the medical mission of Jesus. And I I know you see yourself in in a certain way, but let me tell you about how God sees you. Even in your disabilities, you are not a cosmic accident, but you have a beautiful purpose. You have an opportunity to be a part of God's construction mission. And I, I know everything in your life is falling apart. Your bank account, your house, your marriage, your family. But let me tell you about who Jesus is and what he can rebuild. This is an act of his grace. So church, you have what the world needs and you uniquely are in a place where I am not. Where missionaries that are in China or the Philippines or East Africa are not. In your neighborhoods, in your homes, 
in the places that you move, you have an opportunity to make Jesus known. I'll share one story. Um, a couple, a week and a half or so ago, I went and had lunch at my place, which is a Chinese restaurant right up the street here. And pre-pandemic, I, I, I went there quite a bit. In fact, our family has been there uh, to celebrate my, my daughter's birthday. And uh, we've been there enough that uh, I know one of the waitresses, one of the main waitresses that works there. I hadn't been there in two years because of the pandemic. So I went up there with a, a member of our church, and we had lunch. And I didn't know if this lady still worked there or not. I didn't know if she would remember me. But as soon as we walked in, she goes, oh, hello. It's good to see you again. And she starts talking about my family, who she hadn't seen in over two years as well. Just a little bit into our, our lunch, as she comes up and she says, there's some really tough things going on in my life. Could I talk to you sometime? She says, I know you're a pastor. And I said, sure. I said, why don't you come to church next Sunday? <laughs> pastor move. Uh, <laughs> and she did. She was here last Sunday. And after worship, she was here with her cousin. Um, we, went and, we went and sat. She began to share some of the things that have been happening in her life in recent days. And she's not a believer. I began to share with her about the peace that Jesus brings despite the circumstances we find in our life. And I share this because it happened because I went to a restaurant multiple times. That's it. Not that hard. I was kind to the waitress. When there was an opportunity to ask questions, I asked questions. I made myself available. It's not that hard. But what it does take is seeing yourself as God sees you. Do you see yourself as his son and daughter, number one? Do you see yourself, number two, as somebody he wants to partner with to bring people back into fellowship with him? We're going to talk more about this next week, the, the idea of international missions. But one of the things that's, that blows people away is when they get out of their hometown and they go somewhere else, how they see God work. Man, I, I, was in, I was in the Philippines, and I, and I got to share the gospel. I've never done that before. And, and people responded. People gave their lives to Jesus. And then they come back here, and the very first thing they go is, why have I never done that at home? <laughs> why have I never done it at home? All it takes is being intentional. And Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. And I want to walk with you in bringing people back into relationship with me. So church, it just takes being intentional. It takes uh, viewing our workplaces, our neighborhoods, and our relationships just a little bit differently. Not with an agenda. Not, not to be a Christian salesman. Not to bash people over the head with the Bible. But to love them like Jesus loved them. To be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And then watch and see what God does. Are you in on this? We, are we ready to be a church of missionaries? Not just relying on one person to do this one thing or, or a presentation to, to come to us on Sunday morning, but for all of us, wherever we are, to engage with what God is doing in this earth. Amen? Let's stand together. I want to pray to that end. Jesus, when he spoke these words, he, it was a commissioning service. It was a sending out. He, he said, hey, I have this authority. I'm going to walk with you, and I want you to do this. And so I'm going to do the same thing for us today. I want to commission us as a church 
to be missionaries wherever we go. So if you are ready to receive that call to be a missionary for Jesus, would you just close your eyes and put your hands out as if you're ready to receive something from Jesus? So, Father, we ask this morning that we wouldn't receive something from Andrew. That's not what we're talking about here. But that we'd receive something from you. That your Holy Spirit would fill us up. That you would give us eyes to see those around us that are broken and that are lost and that are disconnected from you. Lord, that we would be able to to be a part of the restoration of the image of God by how we love them. And Lord, if you would will it, that you would give us the words to speak in the right time, in the right place, the right moment, to share your good news to people. And so, Father, this morning, would you commission us, Sunset Community Church, to be a church of missionaries, that we would take that, therefore, go seriously. Even this afternoon, we go through the supermarket checkout or we get a bite to eat that we would lovingly display the good news with every person we interact with. And we would see them how you see them, Father. So, Father, would you send us this, evening, this, this morning, Lord? Would you send us today that as we leave this building that we would be on mission for you, that we might be able to start to share stories. Look what Jesus has done, how he's changed these individuals' lives in my orbit. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you to your spirit that empowers us. It is you that rescue and redeem us. May we point others to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.